This is the place to play with the most powerful principles of manifestation in the quantum field on a daily basis. This is Sanctuary of She, Soul, Human, Energy, and I'm your host, Katie Blair. We're a podcast, an app, and a community where women meet the version of themselves they came here to be and build the lives they came here to live. Welcome to this moment. Welcome to your sanctuary. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you're at right now. Whatever you're leaning into, sinking your teeth in, or whatever's pumping from your heart in this season as we change and shift from summer to fall. I am in a mm, very heart open moment and very still, honestly, very still. If you're listening to this in real time, we're coming into the end of summer 2023. And this summer has truly been the most magnificent and wild summer of my life. I've been blessed to be able to do some traveling and go see all of my family. My mom and my dad are, they were never together. They were teens when they had me. And so when I go do a little family tour, I go visit my dad and that side of the family on the East Coast in Massachusetts. And then my mom and that side of the family just moved to Montana a few months ago. So I got to go see them. And then Tom and I went over to Europe and France and we got to see his whole family because of course he's from England. Um, And so they spend most Augusts out there. And it's just been the most exquisite gift Um, you know, living without our immediate family nearby us, (laughs) being out on a rock in the middle of the ocean, um, you know, it's something that both him and I, even long before we met, were used to. Both of us were big travelers in our 20s and had left home years and years before we met. But, you know, that being said, when we get to, in one single season, go spend time with all of the family, it is such a gift. Um, and then, of course, in the midst of that, uh, the fires happened on Maui, which was the most tragic thing I have ever experienced. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to say that things are definitely still in the works. Of course, they will be for the next several years. and. Um, definitely so much heartbreak and hardship, but the island seems to be finding its new normal. Um, the shelters are cleared out. People are finding their homes. Um, you know, for, for what it's worth, that's the little update on that front. And as I sit here and just kind of reflect on this summer in general, I had this whole plan to record a certain episode today, which I will be recording and giving you guys next week because it's freaking good and gold and you're going to love it. But I'm actually feeling called to go into a different direction today. What I want to bring you today is a, is a story and a lesson on healing relationships. This is a story I've been wanting to bring to the podcast for a long time, honestly, years. 
Um, and it's one that it's not too vulnerable in the sense that I've never wanted to share it. It's just one that's so close to my heart that it's needed the perfect time and the perfect energy to drop into it. And you know what? I think today is that day. I'm in a really yummy, mushy mood. I've just started my bleed and I'm just very, very still and present and I can be here at, in the, in the space I want to be to deliver this to you. Um, this story is about me and my dad and I want to bring it here in hopes of inspiring any relationship in your life, whether it be with a parent figure, whether it be with a sibling, whether it be with a friend, whether it be with anyone in your life, that you have been having a very, very, very difficult time cracking through or allowing the depth of the relationship with a full open heart. And even though there might be some pride that comes along with that sometimes, or this internal dialogue that feeds on being right. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're in an energy like I am right now, you really know that what's also true is that there's a part of you that yearns for it and that wishes it could be something different and that wishes you could open your heart more or forgive or let go of some of the things that you've been harboring and holding for a long time. Um, because this, this journey with my dad has been one of the biggest surprises of my life. And it's also gone against every, I don't know if status quo is the right term here, but every narrative that society teaches us about what the foundation of a strong and healthy relationship needs to be. And you'll see what I mean by that, but because of that, I feel like I'm able to stand in this place where I really am a believer that anything gets to be what we want if we desire to show up for it. And the way that each individual relationship comes back together if you are someone who is open to it actually makes it the most perfect story ever so i love telling this story every time i tell this story whoever i'm telling it to starts to cry <laughs> so I'm going to prepare you a little bit. Just kidding. No, we're not going to get super, super soppy. I want to tell you this because I really feel like there's going to be a piece of it that is going to resonate deeply with someone in your life. And I want it to be a permission slip for you to sit with, to sit with it and what you really want to do about it. So a little brief um, piece that I just mentioned in the beginning, my parents had me as teenagers. So for those of you who don't know, I was a junior prom night baby. <laughs> Go figure. Um, my parents were 16 when they conceived me. Um, my mom went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and my dad went to an all-boys Catholic high school. 
they met up to be prom dates at junior prom. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) It's so funny when I think about that because I was like, if we are little souls up in the atmosphere, picking our family and shooting down in, I was determined to come on in. Like, I made the impossible happen. This was the night my mother lost her virginity. I made the impossible happen, which is so funny that this is my work, being the creator of your reality, because literally that's how it all started with me. Um, so anyways, yes, um, mom got pregnant, knew instantly she wanted to keep me. Thank God. My mother is just a saint. Um, Amen, Maureen. Amen. Like, thank you. (laughs) Um, So she decided that she wanted to keep me immediately. It was never a question to not. And um, she got kicked out of her high school because obviously it was a Catholic high school and she had breached, like, the number one rule. Um, So she got kicked out of high school, had to complete it online. My mom and dad were broken up before. I wouldn't even, I don't even think that they were like official boyfriend, girlfriend. I think that they were just kind of hanging out, going on this date and maybe a couple other, who knows. Um, But before my mom even knew she was pregnant, they had broken up. So... When my mom finds out that she's pregnant and she goes to my dad to tell him and is telling him that she wants to keep me, you know, obviously this 16-year-old boy's reaction is not one of the, you know, not one of eagerness. (laughs) But um, essentially what ended up happening is, um, yeah, my mom had me. And my dad's mom had also had him at 17. So by the time I was born, my mom and dad were 17. And so it's my grandmother, who I call Ganny, my dad's mom, who kind of became this glue for everything. Um, My mom's mom had a really hard time with the situation. And my mom and my Ganny kind of ended up gravitating towards each other because my Ganny had also been through being a teen mom and so kind of took her under her wing and they formed an insanely beautiful friendship that by the time I was born, it was me, my mom, and my Ganny together all the time. These two women were my everything. And my dad being, you know, young, he went off to out-of-state college and did his thing. And when I was four, I believe he finished my, we, this all happened in Texas. That's where we're all from. And then when he graduated, him and my Ganny moved up to Massachusetts. And it was around that same time that my mom met my stepdad from Seattle and we moved to Seattle. So here I am five years old, moving to Seattle with my stepdad, who's newly married to my mom and my real dad like he's been around at holidays right because my my ganny and my mom are so close but my ganny kind of was allowing him to really be a kid and you know kind of letting him do the college thing and everything naturally you know 
it all makes sense when we're older, doesn't it? It all makes sense when we're older. I'm not going to go too much deeper into this because I know we all have our story and it's it's all it all is what it is, right? I'm I'm just stating the facts so that this can can make its mark. <laughs> this story that I'm about to tell you can make its mark on you in the way that I hope it does. So we could go into layers and layers and layers of how this set into my initial makeup of biology and narratives when it came to, you know, what what this meant to be a kid who knew she had a dad, but he was far away. And there was like a very clear... Uh, I don't even know I what I'm gonna say about this is because we're not gonna go deep into this but what I'm gonna say about this is one of my very first conscious thoughts that I remember I think I was about two or three years old this is when we were still in Texas and my mom went to college and she brought me with her Texas Women's University and we lived in a dorm together, went to college together I went to classes with her like I my mom and I were attached at the hip I, just so long as I was next to her, I was okay. So she literally took me to college and there was a single mom's dorm or a young parent's dorm that you could get at this college. And um, so that's where we lived together and directly above us lived this little girl, Melissa, with her two parents, her mom and dad. And Melissa and I were the exact same age and she was my first best friend and we played together all the time from like, you know, two, three years old. We were still tiny, tiny little girls. Um, But one of the very first conscious thoughts in this human experience that I had was being with her in her little apartment upstairs. I still remember exactly what they look like and realize like no emotion behind this at all, right? Because we don't have the the awareness and capacity to hold that. But just this realization of she has a dad, I don't. And, you know, there was, like I said, no, no sadness around that. It was just kind of like a fact of I don't have that. Mine, like I wasn't chosen. But again, it wasn't like this sad, poor me. It was just a fact. I wasn't chosen. Which then, when we fast forward decades, we can see it all clearly. So I'm not looking for sympathy in this at all. But this is this is the mindset that I grew up in. And so when I'm five years old now living in Seattle with my mom and stepdad, my dad's on the other side of the country in Massachusetts, so when he finished college, my Ganny, his mom, kind of started being like, okay, you're a dad, um, let's start having Katie come out in the summers. So when I was, I think, five years old, I got on my very first flight by myself from Seattle to Boston. And I, every single summer growing up, would go spend a month out there. But my Ganny and my dad didn't live together, so I would go be with my Ganny. Because that's who I really knew, who I really felt safe with, who I really, you know, just was super close with. And then slowly, 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 you know, she would, we would be around my dad so that I would, I would be warming up to him 
But at the same time, I had this, it was difficult for me. And I never voiced this as a kid. I was never able to communicate this. But because I had this deeply ingrained, I wasn't chosen, I never felt comfortable with him. I never felt... I never wanted to be left alone with him. Not like he was fine and he was so kind and warm and loving, but I had this huge wall up, like like this feeling of just full contraction. I didn't know how to be around him. So I always I would I literally would stick to my Ganny like glue, like arms around her legs, just always with her and I I didn't want to be anywhere that she wasn't. And you guys, it was like this till I was like a teenager Um, and, you know, but slowly, slowly, slowly kind of, you know, getting to know him more and more and that's just kind of what it was. And when I came into my healing era (laughs) in my young 20s and really started kind of looking at this scenario, what I felt was anger and frustration and sadness because in the years that came after that my dad married my stepmom who I adored and they had two daughters as well so I have four little sisters two with my mom and my stepdad two with my dad and my stepmom and I would watch him be the kind of dad that he was with them and there was this this hard place for me because what I saw was this scenario that was like my dream scenario with my real dad but I wasn't the one receiving it my sisters were and it kind of brought up this this anger right all these like quote-unquote daddy issues like came to the surface and I was working through them and all my personal stuff right like all my things that I was doing and I was kind of coming into this this spot in life you know you're coming out of your teens you're coming into your 20s you are really developing this self-awareness for the first time really looking at things for the first time not as just what's happening to you but what your part in all of it is And I knew if I was really honest with myself, I knew that the potential for the relationship that I really wanted with my dad was there. And I also knew that I was the reason that it wasn't happening. Um, And when I turned 23, which if you listened to the final episode of the Katie Blair podcast, um, which is... It's called The End of the Katie Blair Era. It's in this Sanctuary of She podcast. Uh, I speak to a big fallout that my mom and I had at that time, which now we've since, you know, it's been almost a decade since then. We've since come to a very, very different place. But in the time where that happened... I remember sitting in my car outside of a grocery store and just having this very clear thought of like, it almost felt that because my mom and I had had our connection momentarily severed, there was this permission slip that had opened up 
inside of me that I knew, if I was being honest with myself, put on the table the option of finally giving my dad a real chance. And there was emotions that came with that, right? Because I was already in my 20s and it's just like this this young anger that you feel of like, well, you've already missed so much. How can we start now? <laughs> and thank God I didn't listen to that. <clears throat> um, so I remember sitting in my car and I, I called him and I told him, I said, I, um, I would like to have a deeper relationship with you. And he was very, very open he loved it. Neither of us knew what that would look like. Um, but I had just planted the seed. It wasn't long after that that I moved to Thailand to teach English and was on my whole journey out there. And the whole time, my drive for everything was my passion for yoga. And I knew that above all, what I wanted to do after my year of teaching English is I wanted to go to India to study yoga. But I was terrified to go to India. Now, it's my most favorite place in the whole world. But before going and just all the stories and everything, it just, it's like there's no way, there's no way that I can go by myself, but I really want to go. Like, I know I'm meant to be there. And so I remember sitting with it for a couple days and being like, how can I do this? Like, I don't really want a friend to come because I really want to go to yoga school by myself. Like, I really just want to be in my own little bubble and just experience this. I was like, how, like, there was no way to do this until there was. And you know what I did? (laughs) I picked up the phone and I called my dad (laughs) and I said, do you want to go to India with me? I kid you not. He said, you know, he asked obviously, like, what, you know, what is this for? I said, I really want to go to yoga school and I, I want to go see India. And this is the date that the school starts and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, let me call you right back. He calls me back like 15 minutes later and goes, I just cleared my schedule for the three weeks leading up to your yoga school starting we're going to India. (laughs) This man did that. He literally on a whim in 20 minutes cleared his schedule for three weeks to take me to India. We both knew what this would mean. We We both knew what doing this together could lead to. So it was, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity for both of us. So a few months later, (laughs) we met up in India and we traveled India. We backpacked India together for three weeks. We went so many places. We did, we did Munar and all the tea fields. We went to Udaipur and Jaipur and Agra. We saw, oh my God, just we we did it all and it was amazing because I think because it was such a foreign place there was no like if you've ever been in India it is it's like a whole other planet there was nothing comfortable for us to lean on to like 
the food, the water, the the culture, the streets, this like everything was new for both of us. So it put both of us in this very beautiful energy to be very open. And what ended up happening is every day of those three weeks, no matter what we were doing, we would just have these conversations. And some days it felt like we were becoming really good, like two strangers meeting, just becoming really good friends. And some days it felt like father-daughter, you know, relationship was beginning to really form. But it was like both happening at the same time, this friendship and this father-daughter relationship. And I really got to know him. I got to learn about him. I got to learn about what went through his mind when I was born and when he was in college and all those big conversations. I got to tell him what I, what I felt and what, what it was like for me growing up, you know, cause he wasn't there. And, um, it was just this very, and I think the three weeks allowed for so much spaciousness. So there wasn't like a need to rush, like Every piece of the conversations just came up very, very naturally, one by one. And, you know, I even remember, like, both of us sharing, like, the first time we did, like, mushrooms. Like, sharing those stories and being like, God, this is so cool. I can just be so, we can be so open with each other, you know. Um, So we touched on everything. And so the trip ends in Rishikesh, which is where I went to yoga school. And... I had a little apartment that I was going to be living in for six weeks. So we go there, we get me all settled in there and we go to dinner and this is our final night together before he leaves and I start yoga school the next day. And so we go to this little, (laughs) we go to the, it's called Alibaba's cafe and we're having tea together. This is like lunchtime-ish, I guess, the day before he goes. We're having tea together. And at the Alibaba Cafe, you know, you can buy a joint. <laughs> so we get a little joint and we're smoking this little joint together. And it's just like the cutest little Indian cafe moment. Kind of like Amsterdam, but India. And, um, and that puts us in this position on this final day for us to have a very real moment I will never ever ever forget this he's sitting across the table at me we're sitting on these little pillows on the ground in this dirty old little cute hippie Indian cafe smoking this little joint drinking tea in this afternoon and he's like Katie I am so proud of you and I'm so sorry that I wasn't there and I am so honored that you're my daughter and that I am your father and these last three weeks I feel like have allowed us finally to build a foundation where we can actually have a relationship off of and he had tears streaming down his face he's like he's like it's like this foundation that now the firework can actually be launched off from 
and he's like, I know I wasn't there, but I really want to be now. And I really hope that you'll, you'll let me do that because I love you so much. And it was one of those moments in life where it's like, I had waited 25 years for that honest moment to hear those words that I didn't know what to do. I froze. I completely froze, you guys. I couldn't speak. My throat, everything closed. I just sat there, like, looking at him with tears streaming down his eyes, like, feeling his heart truly. Every word was so pure. But I couldn't speak. And so we just, it was, it was like a moment frozen in time. And so, you know, naturally, <laughs> life happens. Who knows? Probably a waiter came over or something. And, and that was that. But I had this, like, feeling of just, like, what just happened? Like, what, what does this mean? Like, it's been so good to get to know him, but, like, to really let him in for the rest of my life from now requires so much trust, requires so much forgiveness, requires so much like, it's almost like when you want, you want to say yes, but your body is still closed. So you, the two are conflicted against each other and you don't know, you don't know what to do, what to say. You don't know what you want. You don't know. And so it just is. So the afternoon continues and we kind of walk around and we do our thing and we go to dinner that night, just like a quick little meal send off. And, um, after dinner, we're leaving, we go into these crowded streets of Rishikesh. If you've ever been there and in India, there's cows everywhere. There's hundreds of people. It's like a sea of, it's just a sea of everything. And, because we're in that sea, it's like, okay, this is goodbye. Like, he's leaving the next morning. I'm going to my yoga school. He's going back to his hotel. Like, the trip is done. So we hug and, like, thank you. This is the best trip. And, and he, we're in this sea of people, so we just go our separate ways. And I go down one street, and he goes down the other street. And I start walking back to my yoga school, and I am over come with emotion it's like everything that a few hours prior was being closed is now 100% open and I'm like I forgive him I forgive him like I forgive him and I love him so much and oh my god I have to tell him I have to tell him and so I turn around <laughs> But there is hundreds of people and cows everywhere. And I'm, I'm realizing, like, I am never going to be able to find him. And so I start crying because I'm like, oh, my God, I missed my chance. Like, I, I feel so much love and I need to tell him right now. Like, I can't believe I didn't say anything. Like, I never said anything all afternoon. And now he's gone. And just, like, my whole body goes into panic. And I kid you not, you guys. 
I hear this very faint, Katie, Katie. (laughs) And my dad is running. It's like a movie, you guys. He's running back towards me through this sea of people. Like running through the sea of people coming towards me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is happening? And he gets to me and he's like, you forgot your headphones. I have your headphones. And I just look at him and he sees that I have tears streaming down my face. And he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I love you so much. And I just hug him. And I bury my head into his chest and I was like, I forgive you. I forgive everything. I'm so proud to be your daughter. I'm so glad you're my dad. And I'm just, I'm so grateful and I want it too. I really want to have a relationship with you. And I want this trip to be the beginning of the rest. He started crying. I was crying. We're just standing in this sea of hundreds of people and cows just crying arm in arm because of these damn headphones. And it was one of those moments in life where just everything shatters. Every ice-cold brick that's built because of every year we've made them stronger and stronger. The power of an open heart burns it all down. And it was a moment where I decided, like, you're in. You're fully in. And from that, we said our real goodbyes. And I went into yoga school and had the best damn six weeks that changed my entire life forever. Like, it was like this key that cracked open my heart right before embarking on the most powerful six-week journey of my life that everything has come from. Every part of my business, every part of my life, everything has come from what I learned in those six weeks. And I believe it happened because my heart was opened right before. And so in the years since, so let's see, that was 2016. It's 2023. This was seven years ago. Um, My dad has become my best friend. My dad has become my best friend. And we call each other every week, sometimes multiple times a week. We talk for hours every time we talk on the phone. And I love it because I can call him when I'm having a bad day or need advice, but he also does the same for me. He lets me, he he calls me when he needs advice. And um, we've gone through so much together. And right after India, I think it was later that year, I went out to Massachusetts and I did the holidays with him for six weeks in my two little sisters over there and everything has just what I'm trying to say in this moment is that I have created with my father with my real father the father-daughter relationship I spent years dreaming of growing up because when I was in my 20s I decided that I could have it and That goes against everything (laughs) that should equal your dad's not really in your life at all for the first 20 years. And then he becomes dream dad, father, daughter, scenario, best friend, like know each other 
better than we know ourselves sometimes. Relationship. Like, that doesn't happen on paper. But it happens if you want it to happen. Now, I know in the midst of this, it takes two to tango. So I know when I share this story, things would have been very different if he wasn't as open with me or wasn't able to communicate his feelings to me or didn't consistently show up through phone calls or whatever during those initial years of really solidifying what we had built. It takes two people. But what I also know to be true is that energetics are at the forefront of everything. And there is resistance that occurs when there is expectation, when there's resentment or lack of acknowledgement, right? And I think a lot of the time with the people in our lives that you can relate this entire scenario to in your own unique way, there's this part of us that constantly sits back and is like, you need to prove to me. You need to come to me. You need to do the work. You need to make this right. You need to show me. And energetically as human beings, we are wired to feel that, which means that it can be very, very difficult to put in the work for the months, for the years of consistent warmth and showing up with love and openness if both aren't willing to tango. It is because I was able to open up my heart and put myself in the way of the possibility of if I can forgive and really open up to this and really lead with warmth and love, then he feels that and he wants to show up for that. And this would be, again, a different scenario if I had ever felt like I was actually in danger with this person or, you know, like I get this does not apply to every scenario, but it does apply to a lot of them because we can harbor narratives in our own internal walls against people that we say, unless you brick by brick bring this down, I'm not coming out. But that's not how it works if we actually want to heal a relationship. Because we're all human beings at the end of the day. We all have a heart. We all have feelings. We all have fears. We all want to love at the core of everything. But we can't if one person is made to do all the work. So if we can see the human in everyone, if we can find compassion, if we can somehow rise above the anger, the sadness... And forgive for the gift of not needing to hold it anymore ourselves, but for the off chance that it could very much in its own unique way at whatever time in the life that it occurs become the very thing that we've spent years dreaming of. Why would we not? Why would we not? There's no rule book. There's no one right way. There's nothing there's there's nothing that says that we can't but our own internal conscious and unconscious narratives that that make us close up and close our heart and block block it off 
if you want this, you have to go halfway, right? Like that very first phone call that I made to him in my car, I wasn't ready to do that. But little by little, I opened and opened and opened. And little by little, he felt that. And so was able to show up, show up, show up until we had our cracking moment. And then once that happened, it was like equal playing fields of love that we could show up for each other and really build a relationship. But in the last seven years, having my dad become my best friend and the father-daughter relationship that I wanted my whole life with my real dad, like the thought of having gone my whole life without that makes me so there are no words for how much of a loss and disappointment that would have been because in the long run those first 20 something years are small compared to what we've built in the last seven and it's amazing because so many of us are on this healing journey. If you listen to this podcast in some way, shape, or form, you are in your own conscious way, in your own work, on some kind of journey of unlocking and opening all pieces, right? And I think we kind of, if we're in that work for a long time, the healing process can feel never-ending. Like when we really start to unpack our shit, it's like, holy fuck, is there a... Is there an end to this barrel, right? But we're not unique. And we don't need to go deep into the victim about it because every human has their own. It's part of the human experience. But when we can start to unpack it, though it can feel like there's no end to it, I share this story also because this has taught me that there is. I spent the first two decades walking around with the most insane daddy issues ever (laughs) like and until I started dating Tom and he became this strong masculine mirror for me I didn't even realize how deep they went right like those first narratives of I wasn't chosen like living with that for 20 the first 20 something years of your life like does a lot (laughs) as a woman and I don't say that for like poor me I say that because that's just like how it works that's how our minds work and coming into this place of realizing through this situation with my dad that not only is there hope for reaching the bottom but there is a day where the bottom is reached and as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode Earlier this summer, I went out there to visit him and Ganny and two of my sisters over there. And um, him and I went on a walk one day on the beach. And he, he said, he like stopped. This is just like a month, like six weeks ago, you guys. He stopped and he was like, hey, I just, I really just want to say that I'm really sorry I wasn't there growing up. Like, I really, I really am. And I was like, 
kind of shocked because I was like, where did that come from? I was like, dad, you know what? I love you so much for saying that, but I don't even need that. I don't even need that anymore. Like, I am so grateful for our relationship. Our story is so unconventional, but that's what I love now. I was like, you're one of my best friends, and I adore you. Like, we did it. We did it. And I, there is not one single place inside of me where my little girl needs to hear that from you anymore. I was like, if you haven't yet, I really, I really want it to be time for you to let go of any guilt that you still hold because I don't need you to hold it anymore. I'm okay. You're okay. I get it all now. And the way that you have shown up for our relationship in the last seven years is far greater and means far more to me than anything. And like, I get it. You were a kid and it just, that's life. But like, we're okay. And I love you. And we're always going to be okay. And he teared up a little bit again. He's a little bit of a tear upper. And he was just kind of like, wow, okay. Yeah, I love you so much. And I was talking about it in hindsight with one of my girlfriends. And she was like, gosh, you know, isn't that crazy? Because it's like, because he felt, he feels now so close with you, so open with you, so connected with you. He can speak these things that he probably wanted to say all along, but he couldn't because like there was a huge wall up and that's just at the subconscious level we don't do things when we feel the walls and anyways needless to say that is the story of my dad and I and how we healed our relationship as I became an adult and I hope there are pieces of this that resonate with you there's probably pieces of this that trigger you a little bit because it's at the end of the day sometimes a lot easier to hold a grudge or to sit behind a wall under the pretense that you've been hurt or that you're right and they're wrong or whatever it is and for some people for some people that is the safest option and I'm not urging you to move any quicker than you are comfortable with but for some of those relationships in your life if you really look at the timeline of your life however long it's been going on however many years it's been happening even if it feels like it's impossible to fix but you know deep down that you'd rather have a life close and connected and rebuilding from a beautiful place than to sit behind your wall I invite you to start playing with what that would look like to not insist on them removing every brick but for you to start the process so that they can join you and meet you halfway because we're all human. Love and compassion are way stronger than fear and anger and sadness and if given the right attention, love wins. Love can heal all. And 
we can learn so much from what it means to forgive and what it means to grow and what it means to create a foundation for your own fireworks to be able to blast off from. Because that's the point, right? Okay. If this story has touched you, let me know. And I'm sending you a huge hug right now. And life is not easy, but wow, is it also beautiful. I'll see you next week.